Hello, and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 133. Gosh, sometimes I just say those numbers, I'm like, what the what? Uh, 133. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing, should I say, Star Trek Enterprise from now on? I guess so. Technically, it was the third episode where they officially changed, but on Blu-rays, they say it from the first episode. So here mm. we go. We are discussing Star Trek Enterprises' third season. I have to admit that felt a little better saying that. It did. The episodes The Zindi, Anomaly, and Extinction. The Zindi, Season 3, Episode 1, Production Number 301, Original Air Date, September 10th, 2003. Directed by Alan Croker, written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Richard Lineback as Keswick, Stephen McCaddle as Alien Foreman, Tucker Smallwood as Zindi Primate Counselor, Randy Olsby as Degra, Rick Worthy as Janar, Scott McDonald as Commander Dolan, Marco Sanchez as Corporal Romero, Daniel Day Kim as Corporal Chang, Nathan Anderson as Sergeant Kemper, Stephen Cole as Major Hayes, Chris Freeman as Alien Head Guard, and Adam Taylor Gordon as young Charles Tucker. As Enterprise travels deeper into the Delphic Expanse, a secret council of aliens discuss what to do with the lone human ship. Meanwhile, Captain Archer directs Enterprise to a mining penal colony within the Expanse. He then strikes a deal with the mine's foreman in exchange for a half liter of liquid platinum. Archer and Commander Tucker will be allowed to meet the Zindi worker named Kesik. I don't know what you're doing in this place, and I don't particularly care. But we didn't come here to stage a prison break. So why don't you just give us the coordinates, and we'll all stop wasting each other's time. Not until you get me off this planet. You know, I'm not sure why, but I'm just itching to get the hell out of you. Season 3, uh, Star Trek's first... <laughs> season-long story arc now of course we've talked about we've talked about this in advance of this season even we've referenced this over the years i'm sure um this was such an early effort that by today's standards it's rather quaint because every episode still is pretty standalone it's just that there is a slight no it's more than slight but that there is a season story arc going on but every episode is still i mean of the episodes we're talking about today I think easily the last one could have not had anything to do with this Zindi, and the second one, maybe even less, uh, or maybe uh, maybe maybe slightly more, but but less than the first episode actually called the Zindi. So this this premiere episode of season three, um, you know, it it would not have functioned really without some. Well, I don't know, <laughs> even that. So I I guess my point is by, you know, two thousand three. What year was this? Two thousand three. Yeah. By 2003 standards, they were kind of ahead of their time, maybe. Um, you know, you think about other shows at the time. The first one that comes to mind is, you know, is The Sopranos, which was one of the first shows. Started in, what, 99, 2000? One of the first shows to do kind of season-long arcs, but still most of the episodes are standalone. So, I mean, it's kind of like this. Um, but most shows were not doing that. Um even once Star Trek tried its hand here. But of course, today it's, you know, in a, in a modern show, it tends to, if you're doing a serial show, it, it tends to, one blends into the next in a way that it's hard to even argue there. Most of them are standalone. Um, and I think we're all kind of expecting that from this mystery Star Trek show that's, 
you know, that was recently announced to premiere in the spring of 20 or January 2017, even though we have no real reason to assume that other than that's how you make a TV show now. But it's not like they included that in part of their announcement. All of this is to say here we have kind of the Star Trek's prototype of a season arc. And here we have the first episode of season three. Um, it literally opens with the Zindi. It opens with the council. I remember, I remember being uh, feeling some sense of surprise about them making that choice. Uh, you know, the Berman and Braga kind of making that choice because they could have easily kept them super mysterious, and in a way they do because they keep them mysterious to the crew of the Enterprise for a while. But for us to just see that that council right at the start, I mean, I remember thinking that was cool. I really do. I remember the different species thinking that was cool. I remember being surprised at this idea that there were multiple species. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny when they're talking and the, and the what is it? The insects and the, and the water dudes have like the English translation. The, the text is like so large on the size of the <laughs> screen. You're like, that made sense whenever it was four by three letterboxed on my standard dev TV <laughs> 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Um, but here in HD on a, you know, 50, 60 inch set, that text is huge. <laughs> uh, but at least you can tell it was actually rendered at 1080. I'm sorry. Tech nerdy uh, comment. So, uh, but to actually really start talking about this individual episode. Um, Steve, why don't you kick us off? All right, yeah, I was kind of uh, excited to begin this uh, this season um, after seeing the end of the last season. Just kind of looking forward to something different. Like you said, it's not as by today's standards isn't doesn't have that kind of continuity, doesn't have that uh, long arc feel by today's standards. But for Star Trek, it was all new and it's interesting. And I thought this was this was this was uh, fairly good. I mean, you know, you kind of get a start to the whole thing, and I didn't think it was too bad of an episode. And um, I mean, it it was, you know, relatively. Uh, it kept my it kept my interest. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the best thing ever, but I liked it fine. And um, uh, it was interesting seeing the the new like military guys on the on the ship, the Makos or whatever they call them, I believe, and uh, um, seeing how they're integrating them and and kind of the beginning of the towards the beginning of this arc with uh, some of the characters and how they're dealing with it, especially Tucker and. Uh, you know how he's handling. It was interesting that they let some time pass too, which Star Trek doesn't do a lot. And I believe they said at the top that they've been in the Expanse for six weeks. And yeah, um, yeah, I liked it fine. I, I want to talk about the Council for a minute. No, I remember at the time. Another thing I was going to say that I do remember thinking at the time was, um, and maybe it's just because I'd watched so much, <laughs> watched the Star Wars prequels so much. But this was the time when the prequels had come out. I think the the second one had come out, but the third one hadn't come out yet. But in the second one, you had kind of, not really a council, but I remember thinking a couple of these people, the Zindi sitting around the table, it reminded me of scenes from, from episode two. There were a lot of things in it, or, mm-hmm. during Enterprise that I felt like were pretty influenced by what were the contemporary Star Wars films at the time that this series was running. But that's one thing I remember thinking about the, the Zindi council. I'm wondering what you guys Adam, what do you remember being sold on that? Do you, did you think it was cool or different? Did you feel like you'd seen it before, either on Trek or something else? Um, you're referring to the council, correct? 
Yeah, um, this indie council. Um, I can't recall my initial thoughts about the the indie council. I mean, um, obviously it was it was definitely different for Star Trek to kind of have this you know group of uh, shadowy group. I mean, you know, um, off to the side that um that eventually in the season everything kind of comes together. I guess my initial thoughts about this episode is just kind of how chaotic it is. And I think that, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just kind of, you know, their mission directive is go out in this vast expanse of space and, you know, find the people that are trying to kill us. And that's kind of all they have to go on. And, um, I kind of, I kind of watching this episode, I kind of felt the anxiety in Archer because they kind of, the pacing at times is a little fast and it kind of, it's uneven the, the rhythm and it, I don't know if that was done intentionally to kind of make the viewer feel a little anxious, what Archer was feeling. Cause you talked about Archer in the past, like, you know, he's very angry in this, in this season. Um, and we kind of, we, we know why we talked about that in our last podcast, you know, he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. Um, so um, I like that aspect of this episode. It's just the chaotic, chaos of it. Um, well, one of the things this episode starts, and I think we get it more in the next episode in, in Anomaly, it's really driven home, but kind of throughout this season um, is this sense that they are really out here for the first time, really out here on their own. You didn't feel that way in the first two seasons. You felt like they are out there on their own just because there's no other ships. But the Vulcans you know, are close by always. The, kind of somebody's, somebody's out there. There's always yeah. somebody that can come lend him a hand. But out here, it feels like in Voyager. It feels like, wow, you know, um, if something happens to your ship, you are screwed. <laughs> you know, there's, there's nothing you could do. And you're the only hope. So it's like you're double, you're screwed. And then you know you're screwing everybody back home. You're screwing the whole planet, right? You know, that, so there is this sense of isolation, I guess, that yeah. I think that this season does effectively. And this episode, um, uh, is the is kind of the first um, hint at that. Uh, but yeah, Steve, so, oh, real quick, yeah. As far as I was going to say about the council, it's like, like I was saying, you know, it's kind of chaotic in this episode and kind of this whole season. But it's you're you're ahead of the. It's nice to kind of sometimes be ahead of the characters. We know more about what's going on than they do. So um, it's a nice it's a nice mixture. Yeah, and and that's. And, and you do have this sense, and this is not something that normally happens in Star Trek. You know, by opening with that council, you do have this sense that not only do I know more about what's going on than the Enterprise crew, but this, I know these, this council, these aliens are going to be on the sidelines this whole season. You mm -hmm. know, um, they couldn't have done it, done it this way if it wasn't going to be that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, um, Steve, do you have any comments on the council before we kind of? No, I see what you're saying. I mean, I, I think there was kind of a vibe, and I, I don't know if it's, it was absolutely specific to, um, you know, the Star Wars films at that time, but that's certainly an example of it. You know, sometimes it's just the kind of the look and the feel and certain choices that are made. I mean, I'm also thinking around that's at the same time also as the Lord of the Rings films, you know, and uh, there's kind of this yeah. this troop of. People and of course the the first of those films has that kind of vibe too, halfway through it or whatever. Um, so yeah, I see what you're saying. I hadn't thought about that, but that that's interesting how things just tend to feed off one another. It's you know rarely is it absolute you know copying some something specifically, but people get kind of a notion and then roll with it, incorporate it into what they're creating. Um. 
Well, let's talk about let's let's talk about the actual nitty gritty of this episode. Then you know the 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 Zindi Council is interesting, but more it's you know has more to do with the remainder of the season um, than this individual episode. So we come to this um, mine, and uh, we're gonna get this one guy out. Now, once we actually started this storyline, this is you know the specifics of going into this mine and 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 climbing their way out of it and then getting rescued um that portion of it overall felt a little bit like you know i've seen this on star trek Mm -hmm. doesn't have a lot to say even the exciting rescue where the mako comes in i i don't know maybe by today's standards i didn't find it all that terribly exciting really maybe Mm -hmm. kind of um I guess it was okay, but you know, it 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 felt like they were going out of their way to show me these new Mako people. I've never seen them before. Like there was some shot where the the girl, like you know, just some some fisticuff stuff um, with an alien. And um, how do I say this? It was like if it had been one of our normal heroes, if it had been Archer doing those same moves, I don't think it would have stuck out to me as a little slow and cheesy or lame. Mm-hmm. But because it was somebody I didn't know who the heck it was, even though it was a you know, uh, Starfleet person, um, it... Say, hey, it Brian, correct me. Correct me if I'm wrong. Problems right. more clear. Correct me if I'm wrong, Brian. Do I, The only character from that group is like the leader that we see occasionally. They don't really... None of those characters really kind of tie into the season. I couldn't remember that or not. Like as kind of like a B slash main character, we don't really get to know any of them that well, do we? Except for maybe the commander. Of yeah, that most trip. of them, they kind of come on for like a couple of episodes, maybe back to back or one, and then two episodes after that. You know that, but uh, the only person that we see, I'm pretty sure, maybe Steve remembers better, but I'm pretty I'm sure, sure the only one we really see is kind of the commander, the Stephen Culp character. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's the best I can recall. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it would have served them better to kind of make one of these guys more of a main character? Because I kind of, I don't really remember them that well. I just remember they're on the ship. They're not really, they're kind of like window dressing to me, if I remember correctly. Well, you know, this show does it a lot more like, I mean, they didn't, they did not do it like DS9. They did it like most of the other shows, you know. I guess Voyager started doing it too. You know, you had some regular recurring B characters. Uh, what was it? Manu. What's his name? Man, the uh, Interami, whatever. I don't know yeah, that, his last that, name, that the, kid. He yeah. was like the. He was another Exborg type or whatever. Exborg, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm kind of thinking like an Ensign Rowe type thing. If they could have done something like that. Yeah, but and it seems like Enterprise really didn't do much with, you know, I mean DS9, of course, being the be all end all, having an entire cadre of, of recurring characters that were not in the main titles, but, um, but gosh, Enterprise doesn't do much with it. Um, uh, we're going to go over on this one. Uh, we didn't really talk much about the mine because, well, you know, it, it's okay. We want we talked generally about this, the, all these choices they made uh, for the opening up of, of season three. You know, I, I kind of wonder when they started this season, how many of these answers they really had. You know, 
Well, I watched uh, watched the extras. Um, I try to watch the extras on the seasons prior to starting a season because I don't Wait, know. Wait, isn't that on the last disc? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Steven is cheating. Huh? Oh, <laughs> like I haven't even opened the thing. I've owned it. So no. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. No, but uh, just I think I think there was comments on that 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 they didn't really have a big plan. Yeah, you know, that that would have been my guess. Yeah. They've obviously boxed themselves in in a way with the Zindi Council. Um, and but, I, yeah, yeah, right. And I think I think the the thing was is you know just how new they were to the concept, at least this group of writers, and how just wasn't much of that in TV. Period. You know, it's, a, it's like okay, we're gonna. I don't even know they really said okay, we're gonna go from beginning to end of this season with this stuff. I don't even think that was really said. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, what's this episode about? Well, wait, wait, real, real fast. What were your guys' thoughts on the actual that main storyline? You threw all this other stuff out the window, and this stuff with the mine, rescuing the guy, all those bits. I, I, I said I felt like, it, you know, I've been there, done that, and I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it was. Yeah, I guess it was kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Steve. It's not the greatest, but it's fine. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, it was. I wasn't. I didn't find it objectionable or tiresome. It just was nothing. Nothing yeah. worth commenting on really I it wasn't guess. as interesting as seeing the Cindy council for example yeah yeah yeah. just yeah it's like this i, I found it more interesting as, as a piece of the larger puzzle to come than the specific thing they're addressing here okay so what's this episode about because if like they could have instilled some themes and, and asked some questions in that main storyline and with the mine and and we would probably be saying mm-hmm glowing things about this episode uh but what's it about um kind of the only thing i could kind of come up with it kind of you know you have archer here who's kind of wrestling with how far is he willing to go um is he going to take the zindi with him back you know i know he's kind of wrestling with that um it doesn't do a great job in this episode i think we get that more in the last episode in the next couple episodes with how archer deals with his own morality and how far he's willing to push it. I think they kind of scratch the surface in this episode with that a little bit. Um, but I think they do a better job even in the next couple episodes that we're going to talk about today. That's kind of what I, what I kind of got from it. Yeah. I agree that the, 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 the small story within the larger scope of things here, it wasn't strong enough really to make me feel like it had something really to say individually. But yeah, if anything, it's kind of this whole notion of, a, a beginning, an acclimation to where they're headed. You know, not only do we have that with um, seeing, you know, beginning to see that this is a you know dangerous area with a lot of wacky stuff going on, but you have also the uh, trip to Paul thing kind of, you know, kicking in gear a little bit with the, um, you know, the massage parlor, whatever they do in her quarters thing. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't bring that up at all. Um I hate to say that it was another one of those moments where, like, man, I hope nobody walks in on me and watches this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just the exact same. The exact same writing. If T'Pol had been dressed differently, yeah, it would have been fine. Yeah, it would have been fine. And don't get me wrong, she's a beautiful girl, and I enjoy watching her. Um, but. It didn't. That didn't. It didn't have to be. She. She didn't have to. I don't know. Well, I mean, they're they're going for for um, easy applause, basically. You know, it's 
I mean, it's it's it, it's been going on in Star Trek for quite a while. It got bad in Voyager. It got a little worse in this series. We'll see where they take it in the next series. I mean, I think they, they might as well, why don't they just like have her in each episode walk through the shot naked and get it out of the way, and then they don't have to try to scan <laughs> this hey, throughout the whole... they got Trip with his shirt off, and he's pretty fit right. guy. Yeah, 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 it could be equal opportunity here or whatever, you know, I mean, we could, you know... I just, I just didn't feel like it, I just felt like it went maybe a little too far, like I said, I wouldn't have felt, I would have felt... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do some explaining if somebody had walked in one. <laughs> Well, to move on to tri- um, tragedy, I did I did like the scene Trip's dream where he saw his sister die. Yeah, I mean, I think you know we were talking in the previous episode about you know you see this mass destruction, but you don't really the impact of it wasn't really felt, and I think they addressed that a little bit with that that dream sequence of just the mass amount of destruction that took place. Yeah, I, you know they are, it, it, you do get the sense that they are trying to show you that there are consequences. For the first time in this in this season, we're going to talk about anomaly in a second. But you know, an anomaly, right? An anomaly: a crew member actually dies, which like you know never happens on Enterprise. Yeah. Um. So you know they're trying to raise the stakes here. Um. You know, and and Zindi, the Zindi, this episode. I mean, I, I, I don't mean the species or whatever. I mean the this episode. Um. Is is the start of that, and you can tell they're trying to do that. All right, we're over. We're way over on this episode, but that's okay. It's we're also launching the third season. Uh, Adam, are you going first or second for six degrees for the Zindi? Um, I guess I'll go first. Richard Lineback plays Kessick, the Zindi that manages to keep his promise to Archer with his dying breath. Early in DS9's first season, he played Selen Piers. A joined trill that testifies that Jadzia Dax was a different person than Curzon Dax. Name the episode. God, I'm horrible at episodes. Um, it's easier than you think. Uh, it's easier than I think, huh? It's going to make me feel terrible when I miss it. Um, yes, I definitely will make you feel terrible when you um, miss it. <laughs> um, I'm joined? No, Steve? Uh, Dax? You're right, it's Dex. <laughs> uh, is there a, I bet there aren't that many times that an episode is named after a primary character. Right, right. You mentioned Ro Laren earlier, but she's not a prime character. Uh, Steve? Stephen McCaddy plays the alien foreman that would really like Archer and his crew to work for him in the mines. He might be best remembered in Trek for playing Romulan Senator Vreenak in the DS9 episode In the Pale Moonlight. Complete his line. It's a fake. Yes. Fake. <laughs> fake. Fake. We'll all remember it's a fake. <laughs> all right, Steve has two, Adam has none. I'm moving on. Anomaly Season 3, Episode 2, Production Number 302. Original air date, September 17th, 2003. Directed by David Strayton, written by Mike Sussman, music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Robert Ressler as Orgoth, Nathan Anderson as Sergeant Kemper, Julia Rose as Corporal McKenzie, Sean McGowan as Corporal Hawkins, and Ken Lally as Lieutenant Taylor. Enterprise is damaged by destructive spatial anomalies. With most of the primary systems offline, Ensign Mayweather notices another ship nearby, but no life signs are detected. Captain Archer leads Lieutenant Reed and several Makos on an away mission. 
and the crew discovers all are dead. Taking what they can, they return and resume their mission. Soon after, another vessel approaches Enterprise and a group of aliens beam on board, stealing weapons, food, and equipment. I don't think you'd be very comfortable torturing another man. You and your crewmates are far too civilized for that. Too moral. I need what was stolen from me. There's too much at stake to let my morality get in the way. Okay, Anomaly. Um, Who went first last time? I already forgot. I think I did. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, Adam, how about you start us off on Anomaly? Okay, I think I'm going to start. Um, I think I'm going to start with the the visuals, visual effects in this episode. I really, <laughs> I really was. Imp- I don't know. I was really impressed with this. The battle scenes, um, Enterprise, you know, flying around the spear. The battle scenes between um, the other alien race. I thought they looked really cool. There was some. It seemed like there were some new shots of the Enterprise just coming right at the screen. Um, I might not have been paying attention in the last couple of seasons, but I enjoyed a lot of the visuals in this episode. Um, as far as the story goes, um, I liked it because, you know, you, you wouldn't think about, you know, pirates out here. It's, it, you know, you know, a whole pirate scene getting everything captured. Um, I wouldn't say it's like totally original, but it moves well. It's paced well. Um, to me, it doesn't really drag at any point. So um, overall, I would think, say it was... Um, to me, it was um, a good episode. With this sphere thing, now, is this what we're going to find out later? Remember, there's, there's mm-hmm. spheres later in there's this season? There's a bunch, of them, season, right? a bunch yep. of them, right? They're related to this thing. It's the same thing, right? I believe Correct. so, yes. Yeah, and they're like... Folks, I'm assuming you've seen this stuff, and I'm. that's the whole point of our show. We're going to spoil stuff, right? Um, but if for some reason you haven't, then I guess skip ahead a few seconds. But um, Aren't they like making the expanse or something making yeah, all I think the anomalies right yeah i think that's what i remember you know their magnet yeah. the magnetic pull is is causing these distortions and i think there's like thousands of them in the system if i'm remember correctly yeah they got lots of balls <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're saying um yeah so in a way you know again what we were talking about earlier maybe they're not maybe they weren't really maybe they didn't have this plan from the beginning but that's not how we watch the show. We watch the show in universe, right? So, um, in a way, this episode is is setting stuff up that we're going to get a lot of more payoffs later in the season. And obviously, that's the kind of thing you can do when you are doing season long story arcs. Um, but it's still a pretty standalone episode. Like we're going to, you know, that's going to be a common refrain this entire season, despite the serial storytelling going on. Um, so it's still fair to judge it as a single episode. And I think I, th- I felt kind of the same way, you know. The visuals are cool. The, the design, like that sphere, is, is pretty neat. Um, I, I still love, we, we talked about it a little bit, I think, in the season finale in, in, of season two. But the way the expanse looks is really cool. Um, uh, I also, you know, mentioned this a few minutes ago, but you know, in this episode, you've actually somebody actually dies. This is when the what are they Asarian? Asarian? When when they come on uh, Enterprise and uh, attack some crew members that they're stealing stuff, and we we actually see in sickbay, we see somebody 
Crewman Fuller, I think he says, um, underneath a, you know, a blanket or something. And Flock says he did all he could, but he, he couldn't save that person. So we actually have somebody die. I'm not sure that's ever happened. It, it must have happened at least once. But I'm, I'm like, at the moment, I can't remember. You know, so this is definitely something that does not happen very often on Enterprise. An actual crew member. It's not like the original series or even Next Gen. You know, it's not like, I don't know, there, there are no obvious red shirts on this show. Um, so that is a big deal. And they're clearly trying to tell us things are dangerous out here in the Expanse. Crap happens. People can die. Yeah, there's only been like what one crew member die in the first two seasons. Oh, that's what I was trying to remember. I couldn't. Who who died? I can't recall. I think it was in the first season there was one crew member that died, but I don't remember mm. any in the second season. But I could be mistaken. So it's certainly not like the original series when it would be only one person died in this episode. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was like every episode. So, Steve, what are some of your first thoughts for anomaly? Yeah, I um I like this okay. I I think I I enjoyed the um when the the whole uh, theft is happening. I thought that was well done. It was exciting and you know. Carried. I like seeing all that stuff that they're taking. I'm like, what is all that stuff? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stuff. Right, and it's also you know they're out here to save the world essentially, and then it just brings it home even more. And it's like, oh crap, you know, if, uh, <laughs> if they need that thing, whatever they just took. But yeah, um, but I think, I think it's uh, interesting. And I think, um, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into this, but it's shocking in a way where this goes, what Archer chooses to do. And um, it's, it kind of, the, the whole weight of this notion of, you know, we're here to do something. What are we going to, how far are we going to go to find out what we need to know and, do our job and i mean this this kind of touches that as a line i'm paraphrasing but maybe halfway of the episode and he tells the asarian captive they have something like there's too much at stake for me to let my morals get in the way you know, it's kind of what he's saying mm-hmm. um which is not something you're used to hearing a starfleet captain say right um and then of course there's the scene where he throws him in the airlock and starts the decompression uh, mm-hmm. process I remember seeing that scene at the time. I remember feeling just a little bit like, whoa. But there was a part in the back of my mind that said, of course he's not going to do this. Of course he's not going to kill the guy. No way. He's not even planning on it. There's no way that's going to happen. And sure enough, he turns it off. I remember having the exact same feeling when I saw J.J.'s first Star Trek movie. I'm like, oh, they just destroyed Vulcan. Of course they're going to reset the time. (laughs) You know, um, so I know what it feels like for that. I mean, that's obviously even more extreme. But watching this now, I was watching it thinking, you know, if they really wanted to do this, <laughs> All right. he could have killed him. I, that yeah. you kind of never come back from that. Right. But because they don't do it, I don't believe that he was ever really going to do it. Um, and that hurts. And then it's like, well, then what's even the point? Um, so they push that line. They push that line, but they never quite cross it. Like say maybe with, um, Cisco when he, you know, we, we discussed it earlier that the Senator who he knowingly hail moonlight episode. Yeah. Well, I do remember an episode later in season three here of enterprise where they, I don't remember exactly, but there's something about, they end up kind of becoming what the Asarians do here. They end up having to steal something from good people. Right? Yeah, I think so. Um, but he still never 
And then I remember at least one more time when he's torturing maybe one of the, the, the Tholian. Was that the? No, that's the next season. Where? I don't remember. There's there's some other see, scene where he tortures somebody in there. But yeah, you know, he doesn't he doesn't but completely did, go through with it here. Did did you guys think, even watching it now, you know, do you believe that he was if the guy had not if the if the Osarian had said nothing, would he have let him die? Um, well, I think it kind of started before that. I didn't really the setup for that, you know, him talking through the the cell glass wall. It just um I don't think they sold it well enough. Maybe it just wasn't written well enough. I, it just, to me, it wasn't even believable. You had this guy just, you know, taunting him. You're not going to do anything. You're not going to do anything. And up until that point, <clears throat> why would we believe Archer's going to do anything? I mean, you know, it's not very menacing. You know, he's behind yeah. these glass doors and he's just like, I'm going to do what I got to do. So I just think the setup for that was not very good. This um, is the first time we see the brig, right? I yeah. Think so, yeah. Presumably that was added along with that command center back at um, the prep for this right. mission. Mm-hmm. Well, and, th- and that's true. The setup does hurt it because it's kind of like if you're gonna if you're gonna have the guy, oh, there's no way you're gonna do anything. You're gonna do anything. unless he like opens up the cell and shoots him dead. There's nothing <laughs> shock gonna happen here. You know, yeah. well, it should have been something like, <laughs> "You're never gonna cut off my finger." Because <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. oh, maybe he could have done it, right? You know, maybe a wound. You know, he sticks his finger in the bullet hole. I don't know something. Yeah, something to kind of start it off. But yeah, he, Archer was never really that menacing. I mean, he was the most menacing in, in that scene when he's shutting off the air supply there. But like I said, the, it, it, yeah, I went with you, Brad. I knew it wasn't going to kill him because they didn't make it intense enough in those scenes between them and before. You know, I, I was watching this now and thinking about um, the U.S., United States reaction to 9-11 and how far is it now okay to go? It was almost like, I'm not saying it was okay, but, you know, there was a conversation about some amount of torture could be justified if lives were saved or something. You know, that's something that 24 did repeatedly. Um, But as I was watching this, I was thinking, I, I think this was before most of that. You know, I think this was before a lot of those conversations started, yeah. I think. So I'm not sure they were really consciously trying to do that. And at any rate, he never, he doesn't take it far enough. You're right. You know, we know who he, Archer is and I just don't buy it. And and maybe there would have been another way. Maybe they wrote it with the intention. Maybe as they were writing it, they were thinking, he's serious. He's going to let him die if he doesn't speak. But then he speaks. So he doesn't let him die. Maybe they thought that, but that's not how it plays. And that's not how I feel. Maybe and, maybe you should have had one of the Mako do it. And well, yeah, and, and and I think it's worth talking about here for a second because I think this is going to be a recurring thing throughout the season where he's he's you know he seems so angry and he's trying to go, you know he's willing to go so far. There's too much at stake for me to let my morals get in the way. Or as he told a, a trip at the end of the second season, we'll do what we have to do. Um, and I just don't remember a lot of instances where. I don't know. I guess maybe even just by throwing him into the airlock and and making this threat, that's farther than he would have gone before. Maybe that's true. And turning that, well, I mean, yeah, he brought the life support almost down to zero. So, I mean, he did go pretty far. 
But I mean, I wasn't like, um, yeah, I didn't come out of this episode being kind of like, whoa, I've never seen that done with the captain before. Like I did exactly. after, yeah, after you don't Cisco. Come out of this, man, that was dark. I didn't think. Yeah, that. like with Cisco in the Pale Moonlight. Yeah, after that episode, you're like, holy crap, I've yes. never seen after, a captain after, do something like that. Example, after Pale Moonlight, you saw, or, or you saw Cisco differently. After Anomaly, I do not see Archer differently. So it worked there and, and, it, and it doesn't here. Um, and maybe it's because when you think about what he did, what Cisco did, the way he did it, you, you can see that. You can see him taking that course of action and Ooh. saying the ends justifies the means. And here I can see Archer saying the ends justifies the means, but this still doesn't seem like the course of action he would do even if he was doing something crazy where the ends justified the means. I don't know. Probably overthinking this, Ooh. but, you know... Uh, that that is kind of the scene where they were trying to do something different. I will, I will I, give them a little credit. They um, Archer did do something. In the, I mean, he picked a fight with these guys that were coming back. I kind of like that line. You know, are we going to go out and look for him? He's like, no, we're going to wait for them to come to us. So that's something you don't normally see a um, you know a Star Trek captain do is willingly pick a fight. I mean, there's usually a defense or they're just getting into it. So that was something different they did with him. Steve, do you think he would have let the guy die? Last last question on the airlock bit. No. No. Hmm. What's this episode about, guys? Stem bolts? Self <laughs> They don't actually say self stealing. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have the self stealing back then. Yeah. No, that was that was yeah, yeah right. They they weren't that advanced, stem bolts. <laughs> uh, I like that line though. That's funny. Maybe well, I think we kind of talked about it with um, Archer and how far he's willing to take his take this, his morality. Um, um, I kind of think that's kind of the main theme they were going with in this episode. How far is he willing to go to complete his mission? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's what they're going for. How successful they were has kind of has been addressed here in terms of, you know, maybe the maybe with some. You know, if the writing was different, maybe if you know they twisted it a little different way, we could believe that he's changing and going to push his you know limits to what he thinks is a moral you know what is moral and justified and all that. But yeah, so I mean, it's it's I think there's exciting parts in it and stuff, but I don't know if it's really drives home this this point. You know, if this episode and the next one we're going to talk about were in reversed order, I probably would be telling you how much I love Anomaly. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but before we talk about extinction, let's do six degrees for Anomaly. Let's see. Steve has two. Adam, are you going first or second? I'll go second. Steve. Mm -hmm. Nathan Anderson plays Sergeant Kemper, one of the Mako personnel that accompanies Enterprise crew onto the derelict vessel. In Voyager's fourth season, in the episode Nemesis, he played Naaman, part of a psychological conditioning uh, that one of Voyager's crew goes through to get him to hate the Kradine and fight them. Which member of Voyager's crew gets the brain work? Mm, yeah, I kind of remember this, but... Jeez... Fourth season, Nemesis is the episode. Oh, gosh. Is it Chakotay? You're correct. It was Chakotay. Yeah, I knew that was a hard one. Good one. Actually, it's, it's funny. The only reason I would know that one so well is because that actor, I, I worked on it right after I moved to L.A. 
or no, not, I guess it was a couple of years, but it was after this, after this show. I, I worked on a movie with this actor, Nathan Anderson, and I remember the producer, because she knew I was a Star Trek nut, and like the only thing Anderson had on his, on his resume that she recognized was Star Trek, and she came up to me and said, is he a big enough Star Trek actor that I could put that on the poster? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, he was in... He was in one episode of, of Voyager. Okay, that's right. It was it was right after I moved to LA, and it was before he did this Enterprise episode. Anyway, he's he's got like one line in the episode, <laughs> and I was like, you know, he did one episode of Voyager, and I'm not sure the average <laughs> Star Trek fan would would know his name or face really. So I don't think so. Uh, anyway, that's a terrible movie. Uh, let's see. Steve has three. Adam. Yes. Uh, sorry, nobody else came back, but. You know, um, so a, a non-traditional six degrees question here. Ken Lolly plays one of the security officers. He also played a villain in the third season of Heroes. Name another Trek performer from that show. There were several, but the one that I think is probably more obvious. I'm sorry. What, what exactly is the question? What are you asking? Name another Star Trek actor that also acted in Heroes. Oh, in Heroes, the TV series from Enterprise, or just in general? No, in, from any Star Trek show. Um, is it Zachary Quinton? Quinto, close enough. Quinto, yes. Quinto. Yeah, Zach Quinto, I thought was the more obvious choice, but there were others like Malcolm McDowell. Okay, let's see. It's three to one. Moving on. Extinction, season three, episode three, production number three hundred three. Original air date September twenty fourth, two thousand three. Directed by Lavar Burton. Written by Andre Bormanis. Music composed by Velton Ray Bunch. Guest cast include Roger Cross as Tret, Daniel Day Kim as Corporal Chang, Troy Milliter as Palmer, Philip Boyd as Com Officer, and Brian J. Williams as Alien Decon Agent. <laughs> Subcommander T'Pol is called to the command center by Captain Archer. Archer tells her that he has located a nearby planet that the Zindi recently visited. Both then travel down to the surface with Lieutenant Reed and Ensign Sato. They discover a Zindi shuttle along with two dead crew members, both of whom have been incinerated. With little warning, Archer, Sato, and Reed suddenly begin to transform physically into a new species, but T'Pol seems somehow resistant to the changes. Your home is a planet called Earth. The people there are waiting for you. You're on a mission to save them. Aquat's my home. When we get there, you'll understand. Wait and see. Uh, so, Steve, I believe during our break you were saying Extinction is your favorite episode? Yep, of all time. All the series. <laughs> all of television, really? Yeah, all t- yeah really. It's the best piece of art ever created visual oh my god what a dog this episode is so crappy it's just crappy you know i i I always i wondered if like this might have actually been fun for some of the actors because this seems like the kind of thing you would do like in in like high school improv class or something okay you're an alien yeah um, (laughs) but you don't know where you came from you don't really speak english move kind of funny you're an alien right right okay i don't know yeah, it's experimental experimental theater stuff yeah if the, yeah. that you know that i could see from their perspective and other actors perspectives in the classroom how that'd be entertaining but i was confused because i'm pretty sure one time i heard alien archer say hakuna matata mm-hmm. <laughs> right i'm pretty sure i heard him say that which so you should off. go back and watch and clarify that he actually yeah. did say hakuna matata. <laughs> <laughs> oh my 
my gosh. Yeah, this, this episode. This it does start crazy. off pretty crazy. I mean, you know, it's not that often we see somebody incinerated to death on Star Trek. Yeah. The tease you know, in your face. I was kind of thinking, because by the time they do that again in the episode, it's almost over. It's asking a lot for somebody to remember. Oh, yeah, like 38 minutes ago, now I know what those first few seconds of the teaser were. Mm-hmm. You know, I I darn near forgotten. Although it made it, it was probably made worse because this episode was so crappy. I did something I never ever do. I stopped it and came back to it later. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the reason I was like, "What is? The, oh, right, yeah, okay, yeah." That's probably why that happened. And, and it's I, pretty I, quick. The teaser is pretty quick. I mean, it's... I never do that. I mean, I I can't remember the last time I did that with a Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know what? I don't think I can finish this right now. How I felt was, I mean, I remember basically what was going on. And the first note I have is, I remember this sucks. That's what I wrote <laughs> down. And I was right. Um, but, I, you know, what struck me is how how just, you know, because it goes along, like you said, like, it's not like the first, you know, thing is like, oh, my God, this is this sucks. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, wow. And then, but it, it so quickly gets into it. And it's like, oh, no. And I found myself, it's one of these where out loud, I, you know, I'm saying things, you know, like, oh, no. And I don't mean <laughs> it like I'm shocked or scared. It's like, they're here they you go. Here's where it's shocked. going, you know. Here's where it's yeah. going. Well, let's talk about, uh, as a service to our listeners, um, <laughs> let's talk about why it sucks, you know. Let's, why does it suck? So, very quickly, we have the scene where, yeah, like you said, I think that's probably a much better shorthand way for my high school jokes, but it almost feels like this experimental theater thing. And honestly, that in and of itself would not be so terrible if it was one time and T'Pol was coming up to them. But you feel like here we have our captain, we've put him in this silly, degrading situation. And T'Pol is coming up to him like he's a third grader and <laughs> talking to him. And we're going to repeat this scene throughout the rest of the episode. Yeah. Over and over and over. At least until they get the universal train translator working. Yeah, but even then, it doesn't really change anything. Yeah. It doesn't really change anything. Um, well, tell me, guys, why, why, why we all know this episode is objectively bad. Um. Why is it well, yeah, I, I think okay. I would agree. I think I would agree with you, Brian. I don't I don't have a problem with the premise. We've seen we've seen this in Star Trek before where they try to transform characters into another civilization and you kind of learn about that civilization. Um, I think in this episode, you don't really learn a whole lot about the people that these that they become. This, we just know they have to get to the city and it's instinctual. So I think the premise fails. You know, they created this virus to keep their civilization alive. Um, I think if they would have taken more of an approach, like what with the alien probe that 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 got Picard, and he lived that whole thirty years of his life, they kind of might have. You know, if he became a person from that time, and you know, you could find some character depth in there. But I I would agree with you that you know, there's really there's nothing there. You don't know. You don't have any empathy for the civilization because there's no background. There's no depth to it. It's just you know these guys acting weird like trying a, to get yeah, to their like an city. animal or something right we're not getting an insight into anything uh, the culture animal. or anything yeah. right it's not like it's not you don't get the vibe of like a sentient i mean it, it raises so many questions of what what's the point of this you know like he has point? his yeah. he has his dream thing 
where it's like, oh, there's our civilization down there. Well, and those little, that little computer model down there, those look like upright people walking about doing yeah, they don't look like things. Moving, they're not moving like he's moving. Yeah, but. so it doesn't make any sense. And and you can only get away with so much. You know, if you're going to make your people look, you're going to make your people, especially your captain, look absurd. You know, then you better have a real good reason for it. Um, you you need to have a point to all this, like you said. You got to have some kind of you you've got to care about this, and you don't. Um, they they're doing gross stuff, eating worms out of fruit. They're 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 making crazy noises and going about. And, and, everyone, it's, and it's, it's back just, to your point of what's the point? So yeah. why why are you making these gross eating eating this gross stuff? Yeah, you yeah. know I don't know. It's just to yeah. Be you can't you can't believe that this civilization was advanced at all. Yeah, yeah. That could make this 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 DNA virus that could transform another person. You don't believe that. The, to me, I didn't believe that they were advanced enough to do that because they didn't. They made them look like cavemen. You know, yeah. look act like cavemen pretty much. And, and, this, and this certainly yeah. is not insightful for any of our characters. No, it it, it, it not only does it do it makes everybody look dumb. In fact, not only the ones that have changed. You have like back on the ship, they like have this genius maneuver. Oh, wish we had her DNA. Well, good thing I had her bite a peach, or we could go get her hair, or we could do any number of things that anyone would think about getting the Paul's <laughs> DNA from. It's like oh you, god, you think thank they would have it on file? The you think they would have it on file? Yeah, or yeah, duh, you know. <laughs> Folks, you know you're in trouble with your episode when Steve says, duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, God, I, this episode. And it wraps up really quick. I mean, you know, you breathe, you have this other civilization that comes in that's trying to eradicate the... These, I got to say, in that whole... Like that 60 whole years, line, and then Flox takes care of it in five in, minutes. In five minutes. No, but that whole storyline, like, no, I'm going to... We have to kill him, and I'm going to chase him down and kill him, and... But just give us a minute. We're working on a cure. How many times have I seen that? And he you know, looks and better up too. What is that outfit? It's like yeah. it's like this whole thing's a big joke. I half wonder if someone let's try to pull. You know, hey, let's all get together and see if we can sell the execs on doing this. And they just make all these absurd things. Oh, we pulled it off. We had blue tongues, and he looks like he's turning into the Hulk with the blue eyes, and they're moping about and eating worms and gargling and talking funny. And then this guy's wearing the red jumpsuit. I mean, it's the whole thing is just uh, nuts. <laughs> 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 Steve is upset. People, watch out. Oh, and, and, and that, that the part where, where I remember, I remembered it because it was so dumb or whatever. Like, like you know, picking the dumbest part is a challenge. But like the <laughs> when it's when it's coming up on on Archer when he says home and he starts gargling, singing the word home. That's when I remember, <laughs> I remember this part. I remember this part. And it's like, oh my god, that happened. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. For me, the dumb is it, really. It's like it's almost like they they even. Well, Levar Burton directed this one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but it's still. It felt. It, and maybe this, if it's when it's good, you don't think these kind of things or notice these kind of things. But because it is so crappy, <laughs> I don't even want to call it bad. I just want to call it crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's so crappy. Of- like certain things stick out as like. Like it's almost like they were trying to make it even worse. Yeah. <laughs> There's like the the three funny alien crew people, and the first time to Paul is trying to convince Archer to trust her or whatever, and she's like laying on a rock or something and like crawling toward them or something, but the rock is like elevated, and her like her arm is outstretched, and she, and and while everyone else is making funny noises. Yeah. You know. And I just thought, you know, 
I went when they were doing this. Aside from the fact that uh, if anybody had said, "Boy, acting is a funny job," um, <laughs> if somebody had said this was amazing, they'd probably think it was amazing. And if somebody had said this is terrible, they would have said, "Oh yeah, this is terrible." Yeah, you know, it's like how do you even? Ugh. It's shocking that somebody during the filming this didn't just stop and say, oh, we're being punked or whatever, you know, at the time. <laughs> so, something, you know? Maybe they did, and they're going to tell us maybe, but I don't I don't know. The kind of money they were getting paid, it must be like, what do I care? Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting, Action. LeVar directed, didn't he, didn't he have an episode where he transformed into that Nightcrawler creature? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess he had kind I, of no, a this episode, episode made me think of that one, yeah. Well, that was a per- that was a decent episode, if I remember right, or did we not like it? I don't remember. And none of those they transforms have been great. Many of those are on the list of bads. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, at best they're okay. Usually, of course, the most infamous to me is that Voyager episode, Threshold. Mm. Oh of, yes, one of the few really, really mm. terrible Voyager episodes. I, yeah, I, can... I like Voyager more than the average Star Trek fan, I think. Um, that's so one of my I least have a very episodes. long list of terrible episodes, but that was certainly one of them. Um, the, uh, the one thing I want to say that I find, I'm not going to say I like about this episode, <laughs> but I want to say the one thing in this interesting, the, the one thing in this episode that I found interesting is kind of near the beginning, just fundamentally, that T'Pol chooses to stay with Archer. You know, Trip comes mm-hmm. down there, they get Reed. And bring him back up at the ship. Um, and T'Pol chooses to stay with Archer. And I was thinking about, you know, why did she choose to stay? And, you know, that that's the only thing that Ryan. kind of interested me is this, you know, it was obviously a big risk. Um, and I don't think she did it because she felt like that's what she should do with for the captain or a captain or or that would be her position. I think she did it because of her personal relationship with Archer, the man, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that was kind of interesting and shows, you know, if it was the, the the, the more logical course of action, I think would have been for her to return to the ship. She, she was without Archer there. She was probably the best person, you know, she's, she is the next one in command. She, she's the one that should be in charge of the ship. It might've been the more logical course of action for her to return. If it had been the pilot or the second episode of the series, I think she would have returned. But the fact that she chose to stay is is a result of this relationship that she has uh, developed with him over the course of the, you know, mm-hmm. two seasons. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, with um, her and Tucker, you know, they, sorry, spoiler, they're gonna have a romantic relationship. But I always kind of felt like um, to Paul and Archer, it wasn't a romantic, but they always had it. They had a unique relationship. Um, well, they said it, we 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 laughed about it, but there were a couple mm-hmm. episodes those first couple seasons, yeah, where they got tied up together or whatever, right? Yeah. You know, um, I never felt I, I would have felt uncomfortable if she had. I would have felt more uncomfortable with her having really a, like a romantic relationship with Archer, yeah, than I felt with her having one with Trip. But I never really felt that her and Trip was right either. Never. Yeah, because she. Always, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think I think we all agree. We know we would have never liked to have seen a rom- romantic relationship between um, the captain and her. But it is. Um, I feel like they're closer. Thus far, than Trip and her would ever be. Yes. Ever. Yes. So, yeah. Is this episode about anything? 
Well, I think they tried there at the end. I kind of do like the the end scene with Archer and Phlox when Phlox is wanting to destroy the virus and you see a softening in um, Archer about what they're doing out there. You know, he talks about, you know, there's an, a race out there that's trying to destroy us and we destroy this virus. We destroy any everything, anything and everything of this civilization. Yeah, no, I, I... Might be stretch, maybe. I, I, I thought that was... Uh... Terrible decision. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really bad. But you know, in this episode, spot on. Yeah, <laughs> they wanted to be consistency. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like when T'Pol goes up to the ship and says, "Send a security force down." She doesn't say, "Wear hazmat gear." Nothing. You know, it's kind of like it's like what? What a bad idea. You better first say, "We're all turning into." <laughs> Smurfs stay aboard the ship, whatever you know, something. Anyway, <laughs> no, but really though, it's like this: this virus can wipe out an entire civilization. Um, and if it's all that's left of these other people, sorry, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at least, I don't know. In the in here in the states, the CDC they they keep some crazy viruses, mm-hmm. you know. In, in the freezer but the concept is so that they could be studied in the event that somehow we missed it or some outbreak or something that's not why Archer tells him to save the virus he yeah. tells him to save it because it's the last gasp of this ancient civilization yeah. you know what let's save the last nuclear weapon that could destroy the, the planet um once we've gotten rid of all of them, we'll save just we'll just save one, you know? <laughs> because it was a lot of work to build that thing, you know. So we'll just we'll just the one. It could only kill, you know, tens of millions. That's not too bad. Okay. Well, it wasn't really that threatening at that point. I mean, come on, Flocks cured it in a couple minutes. I mean, literally, you know, they were back to normal within less than five minutes. So, yeah, how dangerous hero. could it really the, be, Brian? But if it infected Flocks and that, and something about him allowed it to mutate, so that there that you go, work anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the Vulcan blood wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're saying. Let's do six degrees for extinction. I believe Steve has three. Adam has one. Um, I gave Adam the choice last time. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Daniel Day Kim plays Corporal Chang, one of the Mako officers. In Voyager's sixth season, he played Gotana Retz, the astronaut that helps get Voyager out of his atmosphere. Voyager has been causing his planet problems because each second on Voyager was a day on his planet. Name the episode. One of my favorite Voyager episodes Uh, and a lovely title that sums up so much about the episode. Yeah, I love that episode. Loved it. I would watch it over and over. <laughs> didn't he? Didn't this guy Daniel Day Kim? Wasn't he in Law? Law? Yeah, he was in Lost. Yeah, I, I certainly remember the episode. Um, dang, and it goes by quick. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, um, I know it had something to do with time. Um, But I don't recall exactly how much time or what it was called. So, uh, Adam, 
Yeah, I have no idea. I, I do remember the episode and it being very good, but I have no idea. Like what you said it goes by quick in the blink of an eye. Ah, blink of an eye. Ah. Blink of an eye. Adam Roger Cross plays Tret. The sorry, nobody else comes back. So another <clears throat> sort of general <throat> trivia question, but still six degrees ish, just not Tret. Uh, Roger Cross plays Tret, the alien commander that insists Enterprise sick crew members be put out to pasture. I, that's me, Brian, speaking, know him best for his recurring role on the recently ended Canadian sci-fi show, Continuum. This show starred Rachel Nichols, best known in, for Trek, for playing Who in J.J.'s first Trek movie. Who did Rachel Nichols play? Who did she play in uh, the first J.J. movie? In fact, despite the fact that I thought the character must have died. Uh, the Star Trek, you know, the concurrent Star Trek comic book series has a two-parter that she is starring in. She's on the cover, and I think that comes out next month, this month. Yeah. In the in the the first Star Trek, the self-titled Star Trek movie, what you're asking, right? Yeah, she's green, by the way. Oh. I don't remember the name of the race. Sorry, you can have it, Brian. No, I, I want Steve. the character name. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know the name of the character. Steve, I don't know the name of the character. No, Gala. Ah, oh, okay. Remember, she's the Orion yeah, girl. Sl- she's yeah, like roommates with the yeah. Well, oh yeah, yeah, sorry. Anyway. It, it was a stretch. Anyway, I'm just saying she's the leading continuum, and Roger Cross is was a regular on that show. Huh. That show just ended. <sighs> All right. Get into the Expanse. Expanse is interesting. Took a little bit. Yeah. So, science fiction show. Yeah. I've heard that the books are amazing and the show is good too. Yeah. I took it. I wasn't sure. I was, it took me about three or four episodes before I was like, okay, I'm going to keep watching this because I was always, I was on the fence till about three or four in. But I like that the cast is great. So, did it make you want to read the book? Um, not yet. You'd have to find, I have like four books that I'm behind on. So, probably Hmm. not for a while. Um, well, speaking of getting in the expanse, we are now well into the expanse in Star Trek Enterprise. Look at that. You see what I said? I said Star yeah, Trek so Enterprise. You see that? Did you enjoy the title music more this time, Brian, since they changed oh, it up? Oh, God. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. It's <laughs> shocking because I would. <laughs> they made it if, worse. If it said, hey, come on. It can't get any worse. <laughs> right? Nope. It's worse. Yep, yep, yep. They made it worse. I actually think the main title music now is even worse. <laughs> I agree. The last time I spent more than five seconds knocking the music, I had like four listeners email me, and you know they're right. I'm not advancing, helping anything by uh, talking about how how terrible that song is. So I try to refrain from doing that. But yes, they okay. changed the music for this season. They, uh, they just sped up the tempo. That's all they did. Really, they made it worse. They like, they like. You know what? You know what? Reminded me of, uh, is it way to way to Eden? What's the 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 original series episode with the hippies? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, it seems like one of those guys had a tambourine. It <laughs> 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 just played it during the opening song. That's what it sounded like to me. <laughs> it's awful, crappy crap. But anyway, um, so, folks, we are into the Enterprise's third season. We are more than halfway through this show, and I am still excited. Um to get into this season-long story arc. So, 
I'm looking forward to two weeks from now doing the next three episodes. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter. That's at Trek Companion. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Let's see. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. If you leave a review on iTunes, click the little five-star button and and say you love our show. Uh, it helps other people find us, which is great. So thank you so much for spending an hour with us. And uh, until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See you. I passed it.